welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. We're back. My name is Jonathan Faduba and I'm joined by my colleague, as ever, Steve Wiss. There's another week of Norway and Sweden to talk about. Uh, we're actually progressing through the season pretty quickly, aren't, aren't we, Steve? At the moment, uh, things mm. are rolling along. You know, you wait for sort of three, you wait for six months for uh, Norwegian and Swedish football, and then half the season's nearly gone, isn't it? Uh, how are you today, my friend? And how? Are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right, thanks, Jonathan. Um, yeah, 12 games into the season now. In Norway, yeah, things are certainly progressing, um, but I think we're over the really mad period of fixtures where you know it was Wednesday, Saturday. Uh, it looks like for the majority of the campaign now, it's going to be um, you know just Saturdays with the odd midweek round. Uh, we'll go right through to December, but I mean honestly, at times I felt absolutely snowed under with stuff, stuff to be honest. Uh, but thankfully, I think uh, we're going to be uh, a bit more uh, more back to the old routine again. Certainly, uh, and we're 12 games in in uh, Norway and Sweden, 13 for some teams. By the time you listen to this, we'll be 13 games in pretty much, you know, coming up to the halfway point of the season, as we've mentioned. So, yeah, it's been really manic, to be honest, as you said. Uh, 97 matches played out of 188 total. 3.03 goals per match in Norway at the moment, which is where we're going to start this week. We're going to tuck into the Elite 7, where there's been, you know, a lot of exciting stuff moment goals flying in everywhere yeah there has there's been a lot of goals uh, at the minute so we'll come to the table at some point but uh, Budiglund do have a three point uh, lead at the top uh, at the time of recording with a game in hand against Mulder um, they beat them in the crucial head to head that we talked about in the last podcast um, and uh, Mulder also suffered a shock defeat against Sanderfjord of all teams we'll talk about that a bit more I'm sure but uh, yeah, goal, plenty of goals. In fact, the, the the last round of games, every single match had uh, contained at least over, over two point five goals. So uh, you wouldn't have wanted to be an underbacker, would you, in the Norwegian league uh, last weekend? Um, it just feels like the teams are well clued up now. They're up to proper fitness, and uh, you know there's a lot more sharpness about the attack forces uh, going forward. So plenty of entertainment on show. Let's just very really quickly start with that big top of the table clash because we haven't talked about it on the on the show. The last show we previewed it. Um, in your opinion, you know, was it was it a fair result? And uh, you know, just for obviously it's a week ago now, so but um, you know, what was your takeaway from from that massive game between the two big boys and well, two top of the table teams? I think the big takeaway for me was that uh, it was clear how uh, how much better these two teams are compared to the rest of the league like the head and shoulders above the rest it was a good battle Mulder um, had periods of the game where they were strong like the first 15-20 minutes they, they looked good they took the lead in the game and uh, it actually took a set piece for Budigan to get back into the match I mean I felt at the start of the second half Mulder started well as well and uh, they had chances to go 2-1 ahead they couldn't take those chances and then around sort of 60-65 minutes Budigan took control they got a couple of goals to seal it, and then at the end of the game, it probably could have ended four or five, to be honest. Um, so I think it, ultimately the extra fitness of Buda Glimt uh, to last about the whole 90 minutes was crucial in that game. Uh, but Mulder certainly showed that they're worthy contenders as well. And um, But a huge result for Buda Glimt. I, I said that to win the title, they may have to beat them twice this year, and uh, that's the one out of the two done. But it was a good game of football, fitting top of the table clash, and Buda Glimt came out on top. Yeah, and it finished Budaglim 3, Mulder 1. Mulder have actually played three games since then. Uh, they've played Warrenga 
lost to Sandyfield and then beaten Stark 5-0. You know, obviously those that's how they've recovered results-wise, but, you know, you, you felt that their bigger squad maybe was a, a significant advantage for them maybe in, in terms of the title race. How have you felt they've recovered since then and are you, are you encouraged by what you've seen? Obviously smashed Valerang and Stark really, haven't they? Nine goals to one, but a bit of a surprise result, like you say, against Sandyfield there. The Sandefjord result totally threw me. I think it's probably the big, biggest shock of the season as far as I'm concerned um, because a second string moulder should go there and win easily, but they didn't. Um, I don't know what happened. I talk about their squad depth, but they, they've been really tested defensively, you know, Jonathan. Uh, too many injuries have piled up there. They lost Martin Bjorn back recently for about a month um, in that game. That's a big blow. He's been the mainstay at the back for the last 18 months ex-Buda Glimp player ironically um, so I think even their squad is just too depleted defensively perhaps um, they might have to dip into the transfer market um, but uh, you know it's one of those things they've got to get on with it they've got decent squad overall and I think in the long term they're going to be a serious threat still yeah and for, for, for Buda Glimp in that game it was a lovely free kick from Patrick Berg then Junker and Jens Hauger came back with the goals uh, after Oe's opening strike. You've said there that Mulder, you know, may need to look at the squad a little bit. Buda Glimp, what, what's the latest with them? Because they are the talk of the town at the moment, aren't they? We had our Wisecout blog in that. It was really, really successful, wasn't it? Um, really, a lot of people are starting to take notice of them, not just in Norway and Scandinavia, but even across Europe. <coughs> uh, been a lot of rumours about their players leaving and that kind of thing, hasn't it? We had a player in focus on, on the last show. Um, we had some listener questions as well about some of some of their players, the likes of Berg and Junker and Hauger. What, what's the latest with them? Well, Jens Peter Hauger was obviously strongly linked with a move to one of the Bruges teams in Belgium. He has now called that move off. Um, he will not be going there anymore. And he said he's going to stay at Buda Glimt until the end of the season, which I, I think that's sensible. Because um, I think, and I think Budiglunt are going to probably have that attitude to try and keep all their players until the end of the season, try and get this title won, have a run in Europe or whatever, and then probably cash in on some players. And, and I'm guessing quite a few more want to move on to pastures new anyway. Then, so I think that's going to be their strategy going forward. Obviously, you know things can change if a really big offers come in in the summer, so they'll maybe tested in that way. But I think the strategy is is to try and keep this squad together for this season, and then. Uh, the end of the campaign maybe a few big changes but I think Jens Peter Hauger is going to get a lot of a, a much better club than uh, Circle Bruges now because um, he, he's, he's at a better level than them Yeah and speaking of uh, changes there's been quite a big change hasn't there at one of the one of the biggest clubs in the league and that is Bram now they've had a managerial change haven't they they're not doing amazingly well in terms of the table um, well eighth uh Tell us about what the latest is with Brand because they're, they're a big club, aren't they? And uh, we talk about them often, but uh, they haven't really been up at the top of the table in recent seasons, have they? Not consistently enough, Jonathan. No. Um, Lajan Nielsen has been sacked by Brand. He came to the club in uh, May 2015, and he uh, it's, it's been a long stint. Uh, you don't often get a manager stay anywhere for five years these days, do you? To be fair, so. Um, He's had an intriguing record. He, he led them to promotion. He's led them to uh, a second place and a third place finish in the elite Assyrian. Uh, but I, I feel it was probably a fair sacking. 
and I said this at the back end of uh, last season in one of the episodes that I felt they should have moved on from him you know in November December 2019 really it would have been much more sensible it was clear just a change of direction was needed at the club um, there's, there's a few issues that have come to light with, with Lajan and Nielsen I think ultimately just got a little bit stale at Brand, too negative but it's a very tough job, you know, and I think um, it's, it'd be, I don't want to criticise Larjan and Nielsen because I think he's done very well here, actually, over the five years. Uh, they probably should have won the title in 2018. Um, he's been very competitive at times, but yeah, sometimes you've got to make the change. And I think Bran would have been much more sensible doing it end of last season, but fair play to them. They, they just realised something new's got to, someone, someone new has got to take over now. Tell us about the new man in charge. We don't know the new man yet, but it looks like they're uh, in talks with ex-Rosenborg manager Cora Ingebrigtsen, who, I mean, this is interesting about who they bring in, because this is a big a big decision for Brann. Um, they're not historically a club that likes to sack their managers. They usually give the managers plenty of time, and so they've got to get this right. They can't afford to have someone like uh, an Irie Corneland uh, take over or Ronnie Dyler like Volarenga didn't waste two years or something um, there's three sort of options they can go down, they can go down the route of appoint someone from within the Norwegian system say Elita Serien or Obosel again who's going well, maybe a young up upcoming coach perhaps Marty Sifuentes at Sanderfield would be an example of that uh, they can go down the experience route like Cora Inga Brixen or someone uh, of a bigger name reputation an older head perhaps or, or then maybe they could look outside of Scandinavia maybe someone completely foreign uh, and random and, and not I'm not saying unheard of but sort of not out of the textbook that you would normally go with uh, it's a big decision for, for Bran I would love to see them uh, take a chance on someone up and coming, you know, in the Obosl again or Litasarian, like I say. I don't think they're going to do that route. I think they're looking to try and get someone like Inga Brixen. It's a really tough job. It's one of the, one of the toughest jobs I, I can think of because there's high expectations. The squad has got quite a few big characters in it. A sort of a couple of guys who think they're Bertie Big Bollocks, you know what I mean? I think they're better than they are. And. Um, it's difficult. They've got to combine man management along with uh, high expectations. It's, it's a tricky situation. Yeah, and a few words from there. Uh, sports manager Runa Saltfei, he said, the requirements are already here. Being a coach in brand means high demands. It is the most unique club in Norway to coach. For better or for worse, there's high demands. You will win matches and you will entertain. Being a coach in brand is a completely different sport. These are very high demands and there are people who cannot meet them. And then there are also those who really want to meet them. I think many are triggered by that because it is a fantastic club to be in. You somehow have not been in Norwegian football if you've not been in Brand. Now, you know, I think he's got a future as uh, working in PR <laughs> if he doesn't uh, join the Brand Tourism Board if he doesn't, you know, work out for him in the football side of it because that is some serious uh, gladiator-style motivational Braveheart words, I have to say. Um, even I want to manage Brand now the way he's talked about. But uh, no, it's... it's you said there are some coaches that would be would be maybe interesting for the role, um, and yeah, I think you know you, I think you even tweeted some of the favourites for the job, didn't you? In terms of the bookmakers' favourites, so I guess it's watch this space. One thing I've noted about Brand, and maybe this just reflects how well going back to the top of the table, Buda Glimt have been doing. Buda Glimt has scored 27 more goals than Brand in 12 games. I mean that is an incredible ratio. 
Um, 16 goals for Brand in 12 games, which, you know, even bottom of the table, Arlison have scored that many. Um, is it a case of just the balance isn't right? Because they've only conceded 19, so you know, that mid-table position is, you know, bang on mid-table, really, isn't it? 1-4, drawn three, lost five. Is it just that the balance isn't quite right, or is it just much of a much in terms of the not scoring enough goals and not really keeping them out either? Well, in my pre-season uh, predictions in the podcast, I actually said they've got a, a squad that's good enough to challenge for a medal or even the title as a proper dark horse if they had the right sort of manager in charge. But I knew they would never achieve that under Larjan and Nielsen. Um, they've got attacking talent, but I don't think Nielsen's got the best out of them. We know last season he had disagreements with Doda Bamba, Gilbert Coombson. Now, he's got a, he's got more out of them players this year, but you just sense that the players... Uh, after a certain, say, two or three years working under someone like Tony Pulis, you're going to get ground down, aren't you, as an attacker? Or, or, or you know, a, someone, a winger or whatever. I'm not saying Lazar Nielsen's like Tony Pulis, but he's a more negative-minded manager. And I think that these, some of these attacking players would be looking at sides like Mulder, Buda Glimt, and recently, Rosenborg when they were playing well. You know, thinking, why can't we play like that? Why can't we play in a system that's fast-paced, pass the ball on the deck, you know what I mean? Pressing, stuff like that, rather than sort of long ball sometimes, a bit of old-fashioned football. I think that's what brand need. They need a, a coach as a more modern way of thinking in that way. And they certainly need to be scoring more goals because the ability in the squad is there. You know, the, all around the whole pitch, actually, the ability is there to get them in the top four. It's about finding the right manager now to take them forward in the new direction. Yeah, and just a few, you know, final words in terms of uh, Lars Arna Nielsen. I suppose do you expect him to be back soon? I mean, brand former brand player Eric Huzaklet came out and said, "I hope he is remember, remembered for what he did for the club. He's been a successful brand coach and has done a good job." So, you know, just a few final words on Lars Arna Nielsen. Mm, yeah, definitely, really um, positive words from him. Um, I agree with what Hoosklep um, said there. I think he's, he looked back on his time, and it has to be classed as, as a success. He took them back up from the Obosl again um, and don't underestimate that job look well Lillestrom at the minute are like mid, mid to lower table in the Obos it's bloody hard taking a, a giant of a club back sometimes because expectations are so high immediately on promotion he got him second place we we were doing the podcast in 2018 when they perhaps should have won the title uh, I never felt things were never the same after they got Erling Braut Harlanded you know, twice when he battered him. I just felt things were never the same there. But, hey, I think Nielsen is still a very good coach. He's got a lot, lot to offer. He could get a job any, in the, any of the top flight leagues in Scandinavia, in my opinion, and hold his own quite comfortably. Um, but um, maybe his methods are a little bit old-fashioned at times, but that's not a bad thing. Um, and there's certainly lots of clubs out there that would snap your hand off to get him. So good luck to him. Well, it sounds like we haven't seen the last of him and, you know, Brown aren't going to be the first and, uh, well, they may have been the first, but they're not going to be the last, you would imagine, to be Eric Erling Braut Harland in, to be honest, given his incredible <laughs> goal-scoring races. So, um, let's move on. Uh, and we're going to talk, we're going to sort of skip to the bottom of the league now. And you want to talk about uh, Sandefjord because they've had some pretty interesting uh, results of late, obviously beating Mulder 2-1 and also beat Miondalen and, and played Rosenborg recently in July. You've got some words on them, haven't you? Mm, I do. I, I'm, I'm actually highly impressed with Sanderfjord and what they're doing at the moment this season. Because on paper, I, this is the worst squad in the league, in my opinion, still, even now. 
and I think you've got to give huge credit to the manager Marty uh, Sifuentes who has uh, come uh, and won, th won three of the last five games uh, Jonathan including a shock victory against Mulder they were 1-0 up against Christiansen for 70 minutes as well and really only what did them in that game was squad depth uh, Christiansen brought on like four or five subs at the same time and completely changed the game as, as can happen with the five sub rule and you know they pushed Rosenberg close as well in, in a game they lost in that period and um, he's getting the absolute most out of his team I, I tell you um, but the thing is they're not they've not just been lucky with the results either if you look at the expected goals in the games and, and the actual shots fired they're really restricting their op the opposition quite well so I can tell you that's why that why they've been getting the results statistically it's not through sheer luck they're actually deserving the outcome uh, I mean I actually can't put my finger on how they manage it on the field itself tactically I'm really going to have to go in detail on Sanderfjord because something's not right. Logically, they should not be performing as they are. So something uh, very strange is afoot, but um, you've got to give them a lot a lot of credit right now. They're, they're doing really well. Yeah, and obviously against uh, Mould, uh, they went 1-0 down. Uh, Brynjolfsson scored, and then Rufo came back. A bit of a defensive mistake, wasn't it? A bit of a howler from mm. the, uh, the defender there, in fact, letting him in. And then Mark Vallet in the 90th minute penalty um, to seal the win. You said you're going to have to maybe do a bit of a deep dive on on on, on Sanderson and just just look at it in terms of how they you know possession wise they're actually doing reasonably well you know averaging sort of 50 roughly 50 50 possession. Um, expected goals is kind of not too bad. W what is your theory in terms of where where you know without doing a massive dive into it like you said what is your theory is it just really good management you know um, Sifuentes as you've mentioned already as a potential black brand uh, replacement that brand um, A would he be a sort of candidate that you think would actually take the job uh, and B is it just because of his you know really good management and what is his manage what is his management style because he's got that kind of he's, he's obviously Spanish isn't he um, yes um, uh, uh, the thing is usually I can tell by watching the games um, certainly, after a few games, any I can tell with my own eyes, without even looking at stats, what what the what the strengths and weaknesses are of sides and how they're managing to do, achieve something. But with Sanderfjord, I'm a bit stumped. I must say, um, I was watching, for example, uh, Sanderfjord uh, when they lost at Rosenborg. Now, Rosenborg dominated that game. I felt they dominated the game for a good hour or so. But looking back at it, they actually hardly had a shot in the game in the match. It's like they restricted them really well. It was the same against Mulder as well. Like. Mulder just create chances at will against anyone, right? And although they were going down to 10 men for half a game, it's still no excuse. Mulder hardly really created, apart from a couple of clear-cut chances, that was it. I mean, something's obviously going right there in terms of... I think it's tactical setup with the manager, to be honest with you, Jonathan. He, he's getting it right in terms of um, playing to the strengths of the side. It's not luck, because they're not fluking their way to the results. The only other explanation could be that actually, are the players better than I think they are, or the general consensus of them is? We might be underestimating the quality of the players, like the goalkeeper, for example. I had him down as probably the worst in the league, but he's at, I've seen him make a few decent saves. A couple of world-class saves, actually. So could be it could be a combination of all three things. Sefuentes is a good, tactically astute manager. Even when he took over when they were doomed a couple of years ago in the Elite Serie, and he made them competitive. 
they tend to stay close in the games and um, I think they've learned the lesson from uh, one or two bigger beatings earlier this season and um, it just sets I just think he sets up the side really well like 4-2-3-1 mostly and that um, there's a good couple of the players that shield the defence usually put in a very good stint and they're definitely I say restricting the opposition from getting shots on target or even shots in general uh, they're quite happy to let sides get crosses in because they seem to be able to deal with them quite well so I think full marks to Sifuentes um, he's just a good all round coach he's, he can mix it obviously getting promoted last season they were scoring plenty of goals as well so he's not just a defensive manager or anything like that good all round coach yeah and Sifuentes is quite a young coach only 38 he's managed um, in Spain in lower leagues he's also been a coach in Ajax and Millwall at short spells coaching there and also at AIK so Definitely, he's got a decent body of experience in terms of experience of different styles and understanding different tactical setups. Maybe uh, looks like he's he's one to watch potentially. And Sandefjord at present are twelfth, so hovering just above the relegation zone, four points, which isn't isn't bad. Um, and just one place below them is Viking. Now, our good friend Ted Cruz, my son, uh, has a question. I think CJ about that. Uh, what is going on at Viking? Uh, let me grab his question for you, if I can. He asks, why are Viking struggling so much? Well, um, I think it's a combination of things, really. Remember this time last year, or certainly the start of the 2019 campaign, I think I was predicting that Viking would just about stay up, but maybe just by the skin of their teeth. And they had an amazing year. They finished fifth. They won the cup. They totally overachieved, really, and you know what's happened is they've kind of reverted back to more the other way this year. They, they lost two or three key players. They've had injuries. They've lost a lot of games late on, um, and I feel they should have some more points on the board. But I just think it's simply a case of they had one brilliant year, and, and they're kind of going back to earth in in twenty twenty. It's as simple as that, really. I don't think there's anything to panic about. There's a long way to go this year. They're going to have enough quality to survive fairly comfortably, I think, in my opinion. The manager absolutely should... Uh, they should stay faithful with him, no problem. He proved last year, two, the last two years, how, how good he's been for the club. Uh, just a blip for me. Um, I, I expect him to come good, no problem. Um, but I just think last year... Expectations were raised too much. I remember when I did my initial preview at home um, and I was looking at them and I was thinking, you know what, they're going to regress to sort of mid-table. And I probably should have gone with that initial gut feeling because then I was looking at a few other pundits and, and, and whatnot and, and it kind of made me feel like I was seeing a bit more sense by putting them in the top six. But really, I should have gone with my gut instinct with Viking this year and, and it was realistic to expect them just to drop down. So, yeah, things haven't gone their way, but I think they can turn it. Fantastic stuff. Uh, and let's move on. I mean, we haven't talked about Rosenborg in the show, which I don't think we're even going to hold. Or are we? Um, you, you, you've highlighted me on that the team you'd like to look at mm. and uh, some issues there at the moment. Yeah, I'm going to talk about Mjöndalm because they are on a really bad uh, losing streak at the moment. Uh, I think it's like eight eight matches in a row that they've suffered the defeat and it's put them 15th in the table. And I've seen a few people saying, you know, they should be doing better than they have been but I completely disagree they've uh, again look at where pre-season what, what did we expect of Mjöndal and we, oh, I expected them to be 
in that bottom three. You know, as, as far as I'm concerned, the three weakest squads in the league are Mjöndal and Start and uh, Sandefjord. And uh, although we expected more of Orlesund, logically now looking at that squad, perhaps you can see where it's, why, you know, maybe it would be in the worst five squads as well. But we got overhyped by a couple of players. Mjöndal have lost eight in a row, but they've actually been very unlucky. There was an article uh, on the Nordic Bet blog I read uh, about referee decisions this year, which it's been a shocking year for referees, by the way, in the Elite Serien. And they have been done over, as in bad luck stories, uh, by the referee of affected Mjöndal and by with any other team more than them. And I think the problem is that they're very physical. They're clearly the most physical side in the league. Certainly now that Lillestrøm got relegated. And it's almost as if the referees have come together maybe in some meeting saying we're not going to put up with their physicality anymore and they're just penalising them for everything and I don't, I don't like that because Norway was one of the few leagues left that I've watched that they let physical play go a lot more but it feels like they're stamping down on it a bit more this season and Mjöndalen have borne the brunt of it they've had disallowed goals for pushes seems like they've been given red cards when perhaps it was a bit harsh stuff like that and it, a lot of things have been going their way they've, been, they've lost something like these games in a row but I feel like on, a, on another day it could have gone a different way um, they're not as bad as their results suggest now you're a bit of a fan of VAR aren't you Steve are you, are you suggesting that maybe it's time for VAR to enter the Norwegian world I think it's getting to a point where it's hard to defend not having it um, I, I'm not actually the biggest fan of VAR in a lot of ways Um as I say, I think it ruins a lot of things in the, in the game about you know you're celebrating a goal and stuff like that. You can't really celebrate until the game's kicked off again, can you? And I felt the VAR was work would actually was actually working all right in Norway without it. But when referees are getting so many big decisions wrong, and I mean big decisions, uh, they're going to have to look at bringing it in. I think in the next couple of years, it's just going to have to happen. It's, uh, clearly, they haven't got the quality of referees that can spot clear and obvious things and um, look VAR I'm sure will be more rounded in, in two or three years anyway across the world and when that's the case then I'm sure Norway can bring it in but yeah it's looking like we're going to have to go down that route, that route going forward I think which is a shame because I think it was it, it seemed to be going alright without it but um, it's very, been a very very poor year for the officials I'm afraid Jonathan it seems like you know it's not only uh, maybe English football then where standard refereeing seems to be slipping, isn't it? Maybe mm. maybe video technology is giving people a bit of uh, excuses and a bit of slack to uh, you know yeah cut 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 the uh, you know standards. I, I feel the same happening in cricket a little bit with umpires. It's like they they, they play to the system now a lot more. Um, and they're not even umpires are not even giving no balls in Test cricket now. It's the computers doing it. We're going to get to a stage in future where the computer gives out all the bloody decisions, or something like that. It's um, I do yeah. The, the standard of refereeing has gone down. Uh, I think, uh, but yeah, there's been a highlight. This uh, this blog actually was a really good uh, read about on Nordic about, about the, the amount of decisions that have gone against sides that were clear and obvious and shouldn't have, and there's some real shockers that have just affected teams badly. But I say Mjern Dahlen especially have been hit hard and it seems like the two sides that have um, not been hit as bad Christensen just one really shocking decision against them and Horgerson just two so they've been alright but sides like Mjöndal um, and Odd Viking have had some uh, bad stuff go against them 
fantastic stuff. And yeah, for anyone who wants to know more about Mjolnir, we interviewed their manager, Vigard Hansen. Uh, series 3, episode 19, so you could dig back into the archives about November last year and have a listen to that, because that's what we do on the Noisy Football Podcast, we bring you uh, exclusive insight and access where possible. So yes, have a little listen to that if you'd like to hear about the tactical philosophies, but they are uh, struggling a little bit. Obviously lost 3-0 at start, lost 2-0 at home to Odd, and lost 1-0 at Sandefjord in their last three games. So a bit of a struggle there for me, and they are in the relegation zone. Together with Arlen. They'll be fine. I tell you, they'll they'll be all right. I think Vegar Hansen's a very good manager. Um, they absolutely they wouldn't sack him anyway, but they'd be foolish to even consider it. He's uh, a top manager. I think he can certainly at least get them to the relegation playoff match. Well, before we wrap up this half of the show, uh, well, Start has also only got one win um, all season out of thirteen games. There, they're sort of third bottom. Um, but Steve, we've got another good, quite a good listener question from Andy Watson at Andy Watson Sport who asks Would any of the Buddha Glimp players be successful in the English game? Uh, I really like Patrick Bird personally, but I'm not sure where he would fit in the EFL slash EPL. So, um, yeah, we, we, we touched on title race a little bit there. Maybe you can elaborate as well if you've got any more thoughts on the title race. Buddha Glimp, the only unbeaten side now in the division, haven't lost a single game yet. 12 games, 11 wins, 1 draw. Um, any of the players you think could make it in England? Hey, yeah, good question. <laughs> you know, I was just suddenly thinking there. I almost re- reminded my own self of uh, someone like Danny Murphy on Match of the Day when he's asked the question, oh, how they're going to get on this season. They'll be fine, no problem. <laughs> I was talking about me end down. Anyway, on to Buda Glimp. Um, I mean, God, it's so hard to say, isn't it, down the line, but I think you could look at that squad. And so, yeah, you know, Jens Petterhager, Zinkenagel, Patrick Berg. I think if they maybe beefed up a little bit physically, they could uh, certainly do well in English football down the line. It's really hard to say. Uh, it just is. It's just a difficult comparison. Um, at what level of English football as well? If we're talking Premier League level, I don't think any of them are ready for that yet. Uh, perhaps, but uh, in time, I'm sure it can it could happen. Just tricky question, really. But yeah, Patrick Berg, he's right there. Is um, I've seen a lot of people say that they think he's been their best player this season, or certainly their most important player in his position, and, and, and they're not far wrong. A lot of the limelight goes on the the strikers, you know, Junker and Zinkenagel, Inspector Hogger. But yeah, Patrick Berg is doing a fantastic job there in that uh, deeper role in midfield. Um, he's having a storming season. Okay, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this yeah. uh, half of the show. We, we are going to add some, have some more listener questions uh, later on. But so, uh, you know, let's take a little break now and come back in a minute with Sweden. Is there any, any final thoughts? Any any games we should look out for in the next week or so, Steve? Before we wrap up, uh, I think it's going to be interesting. Mulder against Brand. You know, how are Brand going to cope uh, with uh, without Lars Arjen Nielsen for the first time in five years? So uh, that's a good one to watch out for. Um, coming up uh, this weekend but yeah no no other thoughts I think um, it's a really interesting league to watch at the minute I would encourage anyone to try and catch a stream of it uh, on TV whenever they can so uh, it's been good viewing fantastic stuff let's wrap it up then for this uh, Norwegian section and when we come back after this little break we're going to talk about Sweden and some managerial changes and quite a few there's been a bit of a shake up in Swedish football at the moment so Join us after this break 
for part two. to the Nordic Football Podcast and in this section we're going to be talking about uh, Swedish uh, matters but uh, before then I just wanted to talk about the uh, Patreon section that we've uh, got set up and uh, we've had some uh, recent patrons that have uh, been very generously uh, joined us, uh, haven't they Jonathan? Yeah, just firstly before we get into the Swedish section I wanted to say a big thank you to everybody who has hit us up on Patreon, we, we uh, tagged, we dropped the Link last week in the um, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. And we've had a few people sign up, and of course, as part of that, we're going to give you a little pledge. Uh, we've given a little pledge, we're going to have a little thank you to those people. So, uh, firstly, of course, uh, alumni Jurgen Hernholm, if you're listening, big shout out to you for, for your contributions in, in, in past seasons. Really appreciate your, your support in the past. But we've got some new patrons this season. Uh, the first one I want to give a, a big praise to is Charlotte Patterson. Thank you so much um, joining the Oligan Assault Jartier. Really appreciate you giving your support for us. Uh, it's going to help us keep going for a while. So you're not going to be able to get rid of Meat Man Soccer anytime soon. Not going to be able to get rid of me anytime soon. We're going to be giving you even more content. Uh, next on the list, um, Alexander Christensen. Thanks a lot for your support as well. Um, team Overs as well. Join the Oligan Assault Shots here, really appreciate it. And then Tom Sutton as well um, on the Elick, Erling Brout Harland tier. Uh, you guys are very much appreciated. You're going to help to support us uh, on the show. I I'm actually doing a, a donation, so my first uh, for the first month at least minimum, I will match all patrons and um, we'll be giving uh, my donation to charity. So um, if you do want to support the podcast, you know, I won't be drinking my beers this month, but uh, if you do want to sort of buy us a beer or a coffee or a thicker, for our, um, you know, for the work that we do, we're putting this show together, um, you know, most weeks for you. Then go to Patreon.com/NordicFootballPodcast or follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod, and we'll obviously post the links there during the week. But yeah, just wanted to firstly say before we get into this section, you know, you guys are really appreciated, and you know, we, we appreciate that in, in these sort of times um, for you to dip into pocket and help us out is is really, um, like I say, um, we. We feel the love, and it just shows that the, the show continues to grow. and And I hope we're providing value for you. So we're going to keep doing what we're doing, and there will be some bonus content coming soon. So keep an eye out for that. We're just putting it together at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's good good news, isn't it, Steve? It's very good news. And uh, yeah, I know you're uh, giving uh, you're, you're donating your share of it to Red Cross uh, Lebanon for the uh, Beirut. Uh, from there, um, someone has to pay for my stake. So uh, I think I have to keep my share. <laughs> No, no, I'm actually, I'll match you with that, actually. I'll match you with it for the first month. I mean, it's a very good cause. And, um, you know, obviously that was a terrible thing that went on there. But, so, yeah, we, we would certainly appreciate um, all the new patrons. Um, and uh, if you feel really, feeling really generous, then obviously we'd appreciate even more. But uh, thanks for your support and all the kind words as well. Um, we wouldn't be doing it without such a great community behind us. Yeah, I think that's the key as well. That you know, the community thing. We're really feeling the love this season. I think I think we've really, to be honest, grown a lot. I think it's fair to say. Well, that you know, the community thing. We're really feeling the love this season. I think I think we've really, to be honest, grown a lot. I think it's fair to say. 
um, getting a lot more listener questions this season. You know, people are really engaging with both leagues, and I think it's it shows that there's potential in these leagues, isn't it? It's growing. The attention is growing. Uh, if you're listening, Tim Capel and Eurosport, please continue to show uh, Elite Serian. And by the way, you've got the rights to Osvenskan, so I want you to put Osvenskan on British TV as soon as possible, so that I can avoid watching it on tiny screens. Um, I need that in my life on HD. So yeah, please hit us up if you would need help with that as well. Um, you know, maybe we can do some sort of partnership. Uh, but yeah, you've got the rights. Get it on the TV. That's what I say. Um, but let's move on, hey Steve, because we're yeah. going to touch on Sweden now. It's been quite a busy time, hasn't it? As you've said. Yeah, I mean, way. it's mad at the moment. The, the last time um, on the podcast, basically, you were saying that Norrköping were looking like a shoe in for the title. But my how the tables have turned. They've uh, their form has badly dropped, and Malmo have took over at the uh, the summit of the table uh, on a great run of form there in the league. Anyway, what on earth has gone wrong for Norshipping since we last talked? Yeah, shoe in and shoe out. I think uh, my shoe's now firmly <laughs> out of this one because six wins in a row from Malmo, which you know since they drew with. Northropping Northropping managed to sneak an 88th minute goal in that game and really since then it's been the tables have turned uh, Malmö went to Ostersunds 1-2-1 beat Kalmar smashed Hammarby 3-0 beat Sirius 5-2 away beat EF Koyotoburg 3-0 away that was after the cup final by the way which uh, they lost uh, EF Core won the Swedish Cup um, against Malmö and then in the league recently the most recent game they beat Helsingborg their local rivals uh, in the Derby 4-1 so they are flying at the moment, and I'll be honest with you, they are really starting to look good. Um, I like what I see from Malmo. You know, I was a little bit hesitant, I suppose, about uh, Jonathan Thomason early. I said, you know, is, is he has he got enough experience at this level to to ma- match the expectations? Obviously, there's no fans, so he's maybe fortunate from that perspective. You know, he doesn't have the fans getting on his back after the early um, you know blip in the season they, where they had three draws in a row and only won one of their sort of uh, one of six games um, but he's turned around and now they're top of the league and a lot of it is also to do with North Shopping who just seem to have collapsed um, such a good start to the season but uh, it's, it's been a bit of a wobble and the fans are kind of not happy at the moment actually there's been um, a bit of discontent around North Shopping yeah I guess it's not too much of a, a big shock that Malmo have actually strung together a run of results. They've been threatening that for a good uh, year or two, haven't they? Really, uh, but Norshipping is—it's a worrying, worrying slide, and um, seems to me like the defence has let them down badly. They conceded quite a lot of goals in this period. Is that the main issue? Yeah, it is, and I think they've just—they've just become quite sloppy. I think, and um, there's been quite a bit of criticism for their manager just in terms of the way they're managing games. I don't think they're really sort of tending to manage games that well where early in the season it just looks so it looks so dominant in games and, and they look like they could take anyone on I think you know whether it's nerves or whether it's just sort of poor form or things have sort of caught up with them you know from my point of view they've got I think pretty much the best arguably the best squad in, in, in Sweden in terms of you know they keep adding players as well um, you know Linus Valkvist now as well Linus Hellenius they've got players coming in as well so they're not even stopping uh, their kind of march of bringing players in, but just recently they, they've been they've been sloppy games that they should really have won. They're not doing so. Um, lost to Sirius, which I think was a, you know that was their first defeat of the season. They they recovered beating Varberg, but 
drawing away at Falkenberg, you know, who are, you know, by all accounts, one of the worst teams in the league, um, if not the worst, that was pretty a really poor result. And they needed a last-minute goal from Haxabanovic even to get a point from Falkenberg. And then Mialbi, they drew one, one all. And then obviously Bickle happened. That was the big game uh, of the week. And they'd lost that 2-1. And it was comprehensive, to be honest. They weren't in it. Yeah, I mean, what are the actual expectations then from North Shipping fans? I mean, you say the manager's under pressure. Did they really expect to be challenging for the league? I mean, I'm sure if you offered their fans second place after 13 games, they'd have snapped your hand off, wouldn't they? I think you'd have to ask ask the fans that, to be, to be honest. Um, and it might be an interesting one. Maybe we could put that on Twitter and ask fans what the actual, you know, raw expectation is. I think... It's like anything, Steve. When you when you start winning games like that, I mean, they were so far clear. I think it was at least seven, eight points. Um, you know, last time we spoke, to be honest, and that wasn't even was just over a week ago. So, you know, time is flying in the offense game at the moment. We're nearly. I mean, we've only it was only two months ago we did the preseason podcast, and we're now nearly halfway through the campaign. It's 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 flown by. Really intense schedule, um, as you've said, and maybe you know maybe a bit of fatigue has crept in with with, with no shopping. Maybe teams are starting to figure them out a little bit. Um, there's no doubt that Hacken were a better side. Um, obviously, they had a red card as well, Northrupping in that game. But um, Hacken looked really, really good at this moment in time. I think fans, well, it's difficult to know. You know, I think, I think, I think the, the frustration really is coming from the fact that they're just not not locking off games that maybe they should lock off. And when you're so far ahead of in the table, as I've just said, you know, you, you, there's an expectation, isn't there? Really, they shouldn't have lost it so quickly. It just, I think maybe it's the speed at which they've gone from sort of like well clear to to sort of now second place and, and playing catch up I think that's just the, the r- r- rapidity of it they haven't even had a chance to really enjoy it I suppose when you have a normal season at least you've got a few weeks isn't it yeah. it'll take you about three four weeks before you, you if, even if you lose in games at least you've got a good month or so to enjoy being top North Shopping have had about two weeks to enjoy it and now it's gone so maybe there's that kind of element to it but um yeah, it's not exactly happy times uh, North Shipping at, at this moment, moment in time, really. Yeah, a couple of years ago when Brand were uh, probably should have won the league, at least they had their moment in the sun where they were top of the league for quite a long a long time, really. Um, but yeah, maybe just for sheer frustration from North Shipping, uh, I guess the question now is, can they rebound, do you think? Um, are Malmo going to be the shoe-in tip from Jonathan for Dugba to win the league from this point onwards? And uh, could I mean could someone like I don't know Hecken, Jurgen, Elfsborg come into the race? Well, you know I've given up predicting things. You know, it's just uh, <laughs> I just get it wrong. Though. So, uh, I think that I'm, I'm going to stick stop predicting stuff. I think is probably the best answer so far <laughs> this season. But I think I think one thing on North shopping, you know, let's be clear as well that they, they spent money, you know, and um, they gave a massive contract to Haksabanovic. You know, they bought him back for a rumored really big fee. I think, I think it was at least two to three million euros, roughly, uh, from West Ham. You know, he's a big player, and as I've said before, he's one of the top players in the league. I think he's goals, and I think he's top of the league for goals and assists in total, you know, combined. Um, they've recently bought back Linus Valkvist, who, if you remember, I talked about him a lot two, three years ago. He was quality um, back in the day, right back. You know. Uh, Teams like Paderborn, Twente wanted him, but he's gone now back to Sweden. He's rejoined um, North Shopping. You know, so they're paying money for these players and, and they've got a really sort of solid squad. You know, he said he wanted to come home. It was attractive to him. He wouldn't have come home if, if, if the team wasn't doing so well as they have been. You know, he's rejoined from, um, you know, Dynamo Dresden. 
So they've got good players. You know, Linus Hellenius, he was at Apoel, he was what, second top scorer in the league, he's come back now. There's, there's the, the structure is there now and they've got the level of experience. It's not like they're a young team who's sort of, you know, moulding together or anything like that. They, they've got some experienced players and this is the year really, given the slow start of Malmo, given the really poor start of AIK, given the really poor start of Hammerby, um, given your garden sort of, although they're recovering now, in fairness to them, given their slow start. This was the chance for Norshipping to really establish themselves and they, I think they've just, it's like a relay race where you go miles in front and then you trip over and um, you know it's not a good thing is it so that's the worry for them and they now sort of have to sort of dust themselves down and, and I suppose go again really and it's, it's kind of starting from scratch which mm. probably might frustrate the fans yeah I mean obviously they just lost to Hecken 2-1 uh, there and I know you're quite impressed with Hecken in that game and uh, they also had a good result not too long before beat AI Core 4-0 so are they just starting to hit form yeah, I like what I see from Hecken. I think um, their manager deserves a lot of praise. We haven't really talked about them much this season, but uh, third in the table for goals scored, obviously, um, doing very well in terms of their entertainment value. I, I think they're an exciting team to watch. I, I like the way they play uh, the game. They're quite fast-paced. They, they're aggressive in what they try and do. I think you were bang on about Sutherland, by the way. Um, Alexander Sutherland looks a player. And I think he's brought maybe that bit of maturity that you said he would bring. Um, maybe that just level of expectation. He, he, he scored both goals, obviously, in this game. 2-1 win against North Shopping. Um, you know, they're fifth in the table for shots, have 165 shots. Actually, Jürgen on top of the league for shots. Um, so Jürgen is starting to recover, by the way. Don't rule them out by any means um, under their really good management team. But, uh, no, I, I think that... Um, there's a lot to like about Hacken and what they're doing at the moment. I think they've gone under the radar a little bit, or even we haven't talked about them too much, but uh, I, I like what I see. Yeah, it's Sutherland. I always thought he'd do well there if he stays fit. He, he'll score them goals. And it looks like Hecken, um are on their way to another top five finish in the league. But, um, I mean, I did mention that they had a good 4 0 against uh, IE Core, and. Uh, I, I couldn't. I, I was looking for them in the table, and uh, I just have to get keep zooming down uh, scrolling down sorry uh, they're down in 12th I call 12th position um, just one point clear of the relegation playoff spot which is ridiculous they've got a new manager um, though now Jonathan it looks like they bloody need one uh, it's been an absolute disaster yeah Bartos Grislak uh, Rickard Norling has been sacked which is big news really because he is a you know, not only a really good manager and won the title, not don't forget, not so long ago, with a team that had an incredible defensive record, um, but he's also a really charismatic sort of personality, very well respected in Sweden. When he announced he was leaving, he, he gave a press conference and there was almost a sense like, you know, don't leave me type thing. You know, the fans were quite gutted. Um, there was also, I, I saw a, a Twitter account called AIK Report, they already, within him, within about a day of him leaving, they were like, will he ever return? And had a poll saying, will he return? And you know, um, so from that point of view, you kind of felt a bit bad in the sense that they sacked him and seemed to almost regret it immediately. But um, there's no doubt this is a transition season for AIK. I, I actually think it's quite sad that they've got rid of Norlin. Um, yes, they've been really poor, but you know, teams have transition seasons sometimes, and I think I look at it a bit like Pochettino when he got sacked at Spurs. You know, it's kind of better the devil you know. You know, is it? Is it? Is it 
do you just take the transition? You know, Spurs needed that transition. They need they needed something new. The, the team had gone a bit stale. And I look at ARK quite similarly, to be honest. There's been talks in the past week of Daniel Sundgren returning to the club. You know, they're, they're trying to get like, old players back. I just think the recruitment side of it is the area that they really need to sort of focus on. They're trying to bring young talents through. And they've got some really good young talents. You know, Paulos Abraham um, and those sort of players. I've told you, I've talked about Robin Teehee. You know, I've wrote a Y Scout blog about him. Um, you know, they've got. This is just a season where they're going to have to write it off, kind of. And, 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 you know, for the fans at least, they don't have to go to the games. You know, they can save some money in their pockets and just watch it from home. So, from that point of view, I, I would argue that maybe they could have just kept Norling and let him guide the um, this redevelopment they're going to need. The older players are just kind of. I don't want to be harsh on them and say they're, they're going stale, but they're just starting to maybe age a bit. They're still leading responsibly. You know, Henrik Goitem, Seb Larsson, but they're just, you know, are they really at it now? Is it too much for them, maybe? Are they are they really sort of providing what's needed? I, I don't know. Um, statistically, statistically, though, Steve, they are really, you know, you can ask me some questions about this because they are really struggling. Do you know what? I've said it before. I think if you play that style of football for a prolonged period of time, it grinds you down in the end. You know, they're, they're known for the defence and stuff and, and fair play, but um, in the end, you will probably end up with a, a down year like this. Maybe not as bad as, as, as you think. But to be fair, you were saying this uh, at the back end of last season. I remember uh, on our spreadsheets for talking about the podcast, and I'm pretty sure I can remember one of it saying, Ricard Norling, is it time for him to move on? Is it just time for a change? So maybe it's sort of similar to the brand situation where it would have been more advantageous for the club had they just split perhaps at the back end of last season I don't know but he's gone now I mean you mentioned there statistically they're in, in, in had problems can you elaborate on that? Well I are a bit of a weird team because when, when for example um, when they lost 4-1 to North Shopping I actually came out of that game thinking that I, I, I liked what I saw AOK and I, res- I quite respected what they were doing and I think sometimes you need, need patience that like you said that I think that last season although they did okay that defensive kind of football had gone stale and I think it was there was a feeling this season that they need to they need to regenerate you know this kind of stale football is not yeah. going to take them where they need to be with your garden winning the title they're big rivals it was kind of like the time to, to really come back strong I think Covid obviously hurt, hurt them because they couldn't really dip into the transfer market the way they would have wanted I think but sometimes you need that bravery to to rebuild your squad, and 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 you've got to see it through. You know, don't bottle it when it doesn't go well. You know, t- big teams in the past around Europe, they need they it doesn't they don't come back straight away. You know, Jurgen Klopp, it took years for him to rebuild that Liverpool team, um, and other other clubs have rebuilt, and it takes time. Um, you know, so so that North Shopping game, I looked at it and I was like, although they got battered, there there were things that I, I looked at in the game. And I watched it really carefully, and I was like, they're they're trying something here. You know. They're fluid. They're tactically sort of trying things, but they're just really inexperienced. The defense is really poor. You know, they need a bit more experience in that defense. They need a bit more quality. Um, Teehee's good, but they need help in that defense because it's just not the tactics weren't working. Now Bartos Grizzle, like he's come in and said, "Well, I don't know what I'm going to do with my tactics. I'm not telling you." <laughs> Basically, to the media, um, he's a 41-year-old coach who's you know fairly highly rated. He used to be Norling's assistant, um, but you know. A couple of stats. Thing. I mean, they got ARK have actually had the highest possession in the league, fifty-seven percent ball possession. So 
they have a lot of the ball, but they don't do anything with it. They've got the worst expected goals in the league, lowest xG in the division. That's relegation form below Ostersunds, below Orderblow, and below Helsingborg. Expected goals against as well. They're they're they're, they're struggling. You know, they're one of the bottom five for expected goals against. So this is a team really that you look at it statistically. Remember when we talked about Ostersunds last season? We, we called them out quite early on their xG. Um, if you look at the stats with their AIK, they're looking at relegation form, really, if this continues. You can have all the ball you want, you can play all the nice sort of tactical game you want, you can you can, you can can be as free-flowing as you like to be in the construction of your build-up, but if the minute you give the ball away, it's in the other net, and if you've got the lowest expected goals, you can't, you can't finish, you're going to have problems. And so, I think they're going to need to go into the market, really, to, to resolve this. I think there's too many holes in the team. Bartos Grizzlak will probably try and change it from the point of view of, you know, tightening up the defence, maybe revert back to a maybe four at the back system or something like that, maybe just try and change that. Um, because they're going to have to tighten up and, and they're not scoring enough goals. So whether they maybe loan a striker, bring in a striker, who knows. But uh, yeah, a very topsy-turvy team, sort of not really going in any real clear direction at the moment. They were relegated, I think, around um, 2007-ish, off the top of my head. Uh, it was a shock relegation, and they came uh, back up pretty quickly, I think. But um, anyway, yeah, they do need to score more goals, don't they? It's as simple as that. We've said that for perhaps the last two or three years anyway. Um, but big big changes needed, I call wise Relegation could be very much on the cards there. Uh, worrying times for them. Um Let's just go back I mean, to yeah. Go on. I don't think they'll go down. Let me just be clear. On that. I don't think they'll go down. But uh, statistically, they they are looking like you know that yeah. they're in a bit of trouble. Um, and you know the, the transfer window has been open since the end of July. And you know Nabil Bahui's come out and said this is the worst time I can remember since I've been at AOK. You know, the manager has come in now, and there's a new game style and coach in place. And he says that it's kind of um, it's a new basically a new a new era for the team and he says they're going to be hopefully back to a more normal game which is a bit of a you know read into that what you will what is normal but um, yeah there's just a kind of acknowledgement as I just said um, that they're, they're going to need to buy some players I think mm. he but he's already said he wants some reinforcements so when, when players are saying that you know that, that's a worry the sporting director uh, Henrik Urelis is going to be under a little bit of pressure he's called he's called him out but he, he said that you know, that's his job, he needs to deal with it. Um, you know, he's also mentioned that Henrik Goitens in his last days and he's playing maybe two matches. Sig Torsen's had COVID as well, so he's really not in the in a great form. Colbyn Sig Torsen, he's not been in great form. So they, they definitely need attacking reinforcements. And uh, yeah, a bit of pressure, not just for the manager, but also for the, the hierarchy in general. Yeah, as I say, worrying, worrying times for IE Core. Um, let's move, to, move away from league matters uh, for a little bit. Uh, Malmo obviously in a great run in the Arsvenskan but they did suffer a setback in the uh, Swedish Cup final uh, they lost to IFK Gothenburg uh, after extra time I do believe and uh, caught some of the goals with this game it looked like there was a crucial error uh, defensively that cost uh, Malmo in this one Jonathan how did you uh, rate the final was it dramatic it was dramatic but uh, you, you can never you can never sell me a cup final with no fan it was quite sad I felt mm. um, I think I think 
football has tried very hard to ignore the obvious, which is that there's nobody in the stadiums. And uh, I think you see it most obviously in cup finals. You know, it was really um, just felt. I saw Stephen Gerrard say that he didn't even enjoy his. <laughs> he didn't even enjoy the SPL opener against Aberdeen Rangers Aberdeen because he said that with no fans being there, he just didn't enjoy it, <laughs> which was quite. I think an insight into his kind of style of play as well. He he loved it with the fans, didn't he? Um, I think this, the cup final was just a good game, to be fair. Uh, both teams really gave it their all. Um, Malmo missed a massive chance to equalise in, in the last seconds of the game, Toivon. Uh, but yeah, I, I was quite surprised that AF Core won the cup, if I'm, if I'm honest. But yeah, their first uh, cup win since, I think, 2015. And fully deserved you know they needed a bit of relief um, you know Poyet has barely been under quite a bit of pressure Th- their financial situation is quite clear we've talked about it in the past you know they've, they've had to sell quite a lot of players they've brought a few in recently but um, in terms of the cup yeah it, was, it wasn't really expected that they beat Malmo but I think Malmo just took their eye off the ball and, and uh, you know that man Farnarud has also won it with Hacken he was the, the hero yeah, well, congratulations to them. I mean, you can't knock any any team that wins silverware, and I know the Swedish Cup is is highly sought after over there. It's treated pretty serious, isn't it? Um, going to Europe as well, and and just a sort of boost that a club like IFK need really, because it feels like they've been a little bit in the doldrums um, for a while. Um, I mean, fair play. I can't believe they've they've managed to do that because Malmo are in such great form. Uh, what is it about Malmo recently? They just don't seem to capitalise and, and, and win the silverware do they um, you know part of me wouldn't even be surprised if they somehow bottled, bottled the league from this point of view um, it's, a, it's a big shock result isn't it everyone expected Malmo to win that one yeah and the weird thing is they met a few days later and Malmo smashed the 2-0 yeah. so um, <laughs> you know it was kind of like where, where were you in the cup final type thing you know they just dispatched them quite yeah. quite easily um, yeah, yeah of course having a tough season and, and you know I I know I said that AIK could be in trouble in terms of relegation. I think EFC uh, will have a lot more worries on that front. Um, I think it's a massive window for them if they if they lose Alassane, if they if they lose Alassane Yusuf and Kerry Ishvili, uh, as is rumoured, they, they're in, they're, their squad is getting thinner and thinner. Haven't actually won since the second of July. Um, lost to Nordschipping, lost to Jurgen, drew with Helsingborg, drew with Hammerby, drew with Falkenberg, drew with Beckerhaken. Lost three 0 to Malmo, drew two all with Ostersunds, but somehow they pulled out the cup win. They've only won two games this season, by the way. Um, so, and funnily enough, one of them was against AIK. So, uh, yeah, just a real sort of nice story for EFK in the midst of a pretty drab um, couple of seasons for them. Really, as Bargy is under pressure, there's no doubt about that. Fans are, are sort of on his back, and I think. One of the things which always worries you about managers is when other clubs, fans start to kind of pick up on it, and um, people are kind of starting to call out as buggy now because he's mm. he's been tagged as a sort of bright young coach, and I think people are now starting to maybe question that a little bit and say, well, what have you done? So I think it was really nice for him as well because he can hold that cup up and say, well, here I am. You know, this is what I've done. It's not the easiest of jobs. You know, given their club's situation, the financial problems. Um, now he's got them into Europe. He, he is a good coach. He's a you know he's a promising young coach. Um, Barnsley were looking at him at one point in the championship, so there's no doubt he's got pedigree. Uh, but just a nice little reward for him, given the the critics that have had a, been on his back the last few months. Yeah, well done to them. Fair play and uh, IFK Gothenburg Swedish Cup winners. 
uh, this season. So uh, let's just go back to the Asvenskan. Let's have a look at the bottom of the league and um, a couple of sides struggling there. Kalmar and Ossessons, we're going to talk about them a little bit. Kalmar, rock bottom, just two wins all year. They've got problems, haven't they? Yeah, I think they miss Niels Froling. We wrote, I wrote about him on the Y Scout blog. Check it out, our partners Y Scout. Um, I wrote about him. He's an exciting sort of forward player. Uh, he, he's also eligible to play for America as well as Sweden. So um, he's been out, and that's been a bad news for not only my fantasy team but uh, for here, you know, Calmar in general. Because again, they're a bit of a strange team. They smashed Helsingborg four nil, but really since then they just dipped and dipped and dipped. And um, I think we've got a quite. A, a prominent Twitter fan uh, who follows us, who's a Kalmar fan, and he seemed quite optimistic earlier in the season, but it's really gone pear-shaped quick for Kalmar. And I, I can't quite put my finger on why. I'm going to have to watch them a bit more closely because I haven't watched them in recent weeks, I'll be honest. Um, but yeah, haven't actually won since the 21st of June at Falkenberg 2-0. And, um, you know, they lost six in a row at one point. So, strange times there, really. I mean, it's, it's still very close down there at the bottom of the table, a number of teams in, in the mixer. I mean, uh, a lot of draws this season, it, it feels like, in the Osvenskan, Jonathan. Every, I'm just looking at the form table down there, it just feels like everyone's getting a draw at the moment. Ostersunds have drawn their last five, at least the last five anyway. Helsingborg have drawn four of the last five. Not many wins down there, but a lot of uh, you know teams picking up a point apiece. And, uh, where do you see the relegation battle right now? I think Falkenberg are still favourites to go down. Uh, I'll be honest; I've watched them in a couple of games, and to be fair to them, they, you know, they. Also, Eckler, we had we had him on the podcast, and he is a manager that I do actually think is is decent. Um, I don't think he's a bad manager by any means, but I, I think they've got arguably the worst squad in the division, fairly fairly comfortably. But they, they've picked up some results of late, and um, they've now climbed up to 13th. I still think it's going to be a, a slog for them. Uh, I expect them to sort of maybe drop down and be be sort of 14th, 15th, but. You know, a bit of an up, upward trajectory in recent weeks. Ossesons, I think you're, you're you're looking at as now that Ian Birchall's left, I think they're gonna they're gonna have problems. Uh, they've dipped to 14th. You know, they've lost now as well. Jordan Atikadiri, who has been sold to Lommel in um, Belgium second division for about one million, 1.2 million euros, I believe. Uh, Lommel, by the way, who for those who don't know, are uh, part of the City Football Group, which is obviously owned by Manchester City. So you know, is that with a view to him maybe ending up in the Premier League? Maybe um, certainly, I don't like players going from Sweden to the Belgian second division. But um, there was always rumours Kadiri would leave quite quickly, and he was one of our ten my ten to watch. And I think I said on the show, watch him quickly because he won't be around for long. And lo and behold, he's, he's left. Um, a very good striker, and I think you know whether we, whether he ends up at Man City, I don't know. But uh, certainly, a good a good player. He was their main man up front, and now without his goals, I think Ossesons are going to be really struggling. So I think Falkenberg and Ossesons now are probably the two that I would look at immediately and say could well go down. Um, Varberg boys have looked pretty good. Sirius are really doing well this season. We haven't talked much about them, but uh, fair play to Sirius. They've got some, you know, good players as well uh, and good management. So for me, Falkenberg, Ossesons, mm. bottom two at this moment in time. Kalmar, Helsingborg, maybe they can recover. They've got. I think slightly better players, uh, certainly individual quality. You know, if if if, if Kalmar can get falling back, if they've got some other decent players in my opinion. Helsingborg, I don't see how they're down there. 
I'm surprised that they're, they're doing so badly. Minus 10 goal difference, the worst goal difference in the league. Scored 10, conceded 20, which is, which is, which is awful. Um, I think they'll be down there. They've only won one game. But they're, they're going to need to get the balance right. But I think, yeah, Falkenberg, Ostersunds, Helsingborg um, and Kalmar. And then, like I said, EFK and AIK need to be careful because they're hovering just above it. And I, I don't think they can be too comfortable to say that they're going to get out of it, especially with no fans. All right, just a couple of little housekeeping uh, things to tidy up on before we end the podcast and a few listener questions uh, that we had tweeted in. Uh, we just talked about Sirius there. We had a tweet coming in from Dmitry Nechiporenko who um, asks, uh, your thoughts about Adam Helborg from Sirius? Yeah, Sirius are you know, a decent side. I uh, have to be honest, I haven't watched them a huge amount in recent weeks. But Helborg, he's okay. You know, he's a 22-year-old young player playing in the field. Um, statistically, does quite well. You know, he, he, he keeps things ticking. You know, the accuracy of his passing is pretty good. Uh, 87% pass accuracy. He's averaging this season about uh, 51 passes per game, 52 passes per game. So he's very involved in their in their general sort of build-up play. Uh, hasn't got any goals or assists or anything like that, but he's. Uh, you know, doesn't get many shots on, but he he, he contributes to that build-up play. Like I said, he you know averages about 4.26 interceptions per 90 minutes. So, you know, he he sits in that midfield. Like I said, he keeps things ticking, and he's got a bit of potential. I haven't seen many rumours in terms of him him leaving, but one thing I would say about uh, Sirius is they they have got they have got some quite good players. You you Sagita as well, uh, who's got a really journeyman career, but has um come on quite strongly uh, and been really good and, and a few others as well Mohamed Saeed he's having a bit of time in the spotlight um, he's been around the block for a while but he's, he's done quite well in this team and I think like, their management in general has, has been very encouraging I think I said it on the past show I think their manager could attract bigger clubs if he continues at Henrik Riesdrom uh, I think they're, they're outperforming any expectation of them um, in my opinion and they've got a few other players who've done quite well Bjorn Strom uh, has weighed in with three goals. You know, the, their defensive setup is is quite decent. Um, they've got another midfielder I like, who's uh, called Nahom Gimai Netabai. You know, he's he's a player I I, I really quite like. Swedish Swedish Ethiopian um, that they took from Varberg. You know, Stefano Vecchia. They they got a decent squad, and yeah, Helborg is just sort of slotted into that and, and done okay. And one one final question from. Uh, Nor Football um, asks which Norwegian player has impressed you guys the most in the Alsvenskan so far this season he suggests Ulverstad Wittry or Fear the Beard hashtag um, meaning Joe Inger Birgit and I think anyone who has heard my thoughts about him historically uh, I've never been that impressed with Joe Inger Birgit but it seems like he's actually in some decent form for Malmo right now um, so fair play to him for that. But uh, is there, which Norwegian player in the Alsvenskan has impressed you the most, Jonathan? Uh, that's a good question, and yeah, at North Football uh, is uh, quite a good account to follow. In fact, so thanks, thanks for your question there. Um, I, I'm impressed with Sutherland. I have to be honest. I mean, mm. I know it's maybe a bit of recency bias just with the the Hacken game, but uh, I, I like what he's brought to the team. I think um, there's rumours uh, already, Steve. We talk about it every time. Now the transfer window's open. There's already rumours of uh, Alexander Yeremiev coming back to Sweden. He can link with uh, move back to Hacken or maybe uh, 
even EF Core, their rival. Doesn't surprise me at uh, all. He didn't, he didn't last long in Germany at the moment, if the rumours are to be true. But um, I'm not sure he'd... I mean, he'd probably get in the team. He's you know, a very good player at all Svenskan level. But he's going to have some battle to keep Sutherland now. Because Sutherland is um, you know, doing doing really well up front. Uh, and then the, the obvious one is... is um, Aslak von Wittry, you know, I think I think if I was saying who was the best player, you know, if you're looking at consistency over two seasons, Wittry definitely is the number one. And uh, we haven't talked about Jurgen today. Maybe we'll cover them in the next episode because they're starting to recover, and I think you need to keep an eye on on Jurgen. And I don't think they're going away. So I think for Malmo and No Shopping, you know, they're starting to chomp at their heels, and I think um, there's a story to be told there at some point. Um, but yeah, Wittry's a very good player. I think. I've said it before. He's like the Trent Alexander-Arnold of, of Sweden. Um, Twenty-four years old, really solid right back. I think. I don't think he's. I'm not sure if he's been capped by Norway. I think he's only played for the under twenty-ones. So that's quite interesting to me. I wonder if it's maybe just the visibility, um, the fact that he's only played you know a smaller club. I think he played at Ranheim. So I think maybe maybe that's a factor him in him not being capped at senior level, but. You know, Norway might be looking at him because um, he's been a really, really good signing for Jurgen. So I'd go Aslak. I'd, I'd go Aslak. All right. Well, I think that pretty much concludes this particular episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. As always, it's been a pleasure, Jonathan. Um, anything? Any final thoughts before we close things out? Um, not really. To be honest, I think uh, we did have a few other more questions. Charlotte Patterson asked can Bodo Glimp go all the way which I think you've answered uh, she also asked what do you think on the appointment of Bartos Greslak which I think we just covered there um, yeah in summary I think let's see how it goes he'll completely change probably their, their philosophy in my opinion I think they'll, they'll go to a more traditional style um, and then there was one more question from at football shorts uh, at footy shorts org who says who do you think is in the best position financially and organisationally Steve I'll throw this one at you to deal with what COVID may throw at the world. Is this an opportunity for someone? Um, I assume your answer is going to be Bruder Glimp, but uh, number one, what do you think can Bruder Glimp throw away? And number two, which team is best placed to uh, take advantage of you know, this COVID situation in, in, in Norway? Yeah, thanks for the question there, Charlotte. Um, Bruder Glimp, I think they certainly can go all the way. Um, it's, it's, I still think Mulder, uh, Mulder themselves will not be going away. They'll, they'll give it a good shot but Buda Glimt uh, obviously winning that game was massive uh, in the head to head and then the Sanderfield result against Molder just gives Buda Glimt the edge at the minute there's no reason why they can't go all the way certainly if they keep most of their players that second question for football shorts is a tough one because I think you really need to know is this about a question sort of worldwide or um, about the clubs in, in Scandinavia to Between, be honest just in, uh, in Norway in terms of in you know, Norway, on, yeah, it's the clubs that have got that. the biggest resources. Um, so you know, you're talking like Rosenborg, Molders, size like that, I think. But and also like Buda Glimpse, the size that have got good youth academy players coming through that way, um, and they've got big squads. Ultimately, I think the squad size is, is important. So uh, yeah, it's a tricky, tricky one to know without knowing the ins and outs of, of every side. But uh, good question, really. I think he's right what he says. It's an opportunity for someone, whatever league in the world, um, to, to potentially upset the apple cart. But uh, you need to know, you know, good depth knowledge about certain clubs. 
Yeah, and thank you for pretty shorts for that. Uh, my answer will be no shopping. I think um, I think Pickle Hacken as well is one you can maybe look at, but I think because of the Gothi, the Gothia Cup and uh, the blow to their finances, they, they've got a really good academy, Pickle Hacken. Uh, so they're only seven points off the top of the table at this moment in time. And, and also traditionally, they've got a lower attendance. You know, their average attendance is nowhere close to sort of Malmo and North Shopping. Um, sorry, Malmo, you know, um, AIK, those kind of clubs, Hammerby. So I think Hacken can maybe bear that side of it and maybe um, try and get themselves into that Champions League, maybe, or, or, or you know, certainly at least a European place. Um, and then, of course, you've got Elfsborg, who are third in the table at this moment in time. So can they take advantage of it? Always quite a, a, a big club. But I think really North Shopping is the one I would, I would identify. They're the ones who have spent big. They're the ones who can take advantage of this lack of fans because of the fact that they don't have as big a stadium maybe as the others. Um, and also they've got quite a lot of money incoming in, in recent seasons. Jordan Larson, they sold for I think roughly 4 million euros to, to Russia. So they've had that incoming and they've, they've spent it, like I say, on Valkvist, on Hellenius, on um, other players that they've brought in. They've got a quite experienced squad this is the time for them now, really. This is a season for them to try and win that league. And I think what's going to be interesting in, in the second half of the season is can they hold their nerve and, and, and sort of see off the likes of uh, Malmo and, and also Eurogarden, who I do think will come into the title race at some point. So just before, just before we finish, there was one other question from Robert Carwardine um, asking me, can anything save start and uh, all of Sund? and also any book recommendations on Scandinavian football. I may have to get back to you about the book recommendation, Robert. But regarding Stan... <laughs> regarding Stan Olsen, um to be honest, I, I think it's going to be a long season for them and they both may well go down. We'll probably talk about them uh, maybe in a future episode soon. Yeah, fair enough. That's um, Yeah, I mean, I, I would just... I'd read Zlatan's book to start with. I think that was. I, I really enjoyed that read. I'm a big Zlatan fan. Probably a bit, bit of a cliched answer, a bit of an easy one. But um, yeah, I think I, I enjoyed that book. He, he's got a lot of interesting insights into kind of his, his life and his background in Sweden um, before his career t- kicked off. So maybe that might be a good one to start with. Uh, but yeah, if anyone has a book recommendation, follow us on Twitter at Nordic Footpod and uh, tag us, and we'll retweet it and 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 throw it in the attention of Robert Kawadi. Maybe. Maybe one of us will have to write a book, Steve. You know, <laughs> maybe one day. Maybe one day. Book. You never know. So, uh, <laughs> get your memoirs going. Mate. Sure. So, uh, that's about it for this yeah. episode. I think we've covered a lot of questions. But uh, if you've got any more, then show, throw them at Twitter and at Nordic Foot Pod. We are on Facebook, but it's kind of that page has been a bit slow of late. Um, but uh, we've got some plans coming up with this Patreon. You know, a few bonus episodes and a few other things we are thinking about to uh, bring you continue to bring you the best content around Norwegian and Swedish football so once again appreciate your time uh, Steve what you got planned for the next few days playing cricket watching Norwegian football and uh, playing a bit of golf as well <laughs> it's going to be a heat wave so yeah I'm going to try some golf I'm going to, I'm planning some golf at some point golf or foot really golf. Good at golf foot golf or golf no, normal golf. I'm normal like, golf. Oh, really yeah, get your clubs out. Game. Get your clubs dusted off and get that out there on the golf course. It's probably the most safest sport to do in these COVID times. Yeah, I think at the moment, social distancing, I think it's the one sport that you, you, know, you, can, you can socially enjoy. So I might, might dust off, uh, well, I don't have any clubs, but I might, might try and get involved. 
well good luck if you do and uh, as always it was a pleasure doing this podcast with you Jonathan and until next time thanks a lot take care everyone goodbye goodbye